This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 633, brought to you by Harry's. To get your trial shave set, go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now. That's harrys.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 633. I'm Josh Flanagan. This is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. We're all about exit moves here at iFanboy. We're, we're thinking about a big, scandalous exit move. <laughs> how how best to just go down in flames, but on our own terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it involves nudity Probably. and the internet. And it's not, it's not anything you want to see, unless you're very specific. That's why it's an exit move. Yeah, I... <laughs> I was trying to think if there's any way to do it with dignity, but I think that that's antithetical. <laughs> so we are iFanboy. Every week we read a stack of our comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. Indulge me a moment here, Connor. Sure. We are going to discuss what we liked about books, yeah. what we don't. You've got a couple of different points of view here. We like to distinguish between this is good, yeah. this is stupid, or this is good, but I don't really like it, and these nuances in between. We hope that works for you. It's all about nuance. Yeah. Then there's also, this is stupid, which is different than this is stupid. And I, <laughs> I, I can't explain that to you when it happens, but I need you to do a little work. It's in on the inflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a vastly different meaning, though. Yeah. Uh, and that's gonna, that's, all that's going to come up this week. That's what I thought as reading my books and looking Uh-oh. at this list. Uh, we're going to talk about the patron wh- pick. We're going to talk about other stuff. If we have time, we'll, we're, we're going we're gonna to have fun. It's the idea. Here's your spoiler warning. Um, this is a review show. There will be spoilers. Exercise your caution on that. Connor, you had the pick this week. I did. This was a week where – it was first of all, it was a light week. I, I had like 11 books, something like that. And I finished reading, and I was like, oh, well, I don't know. It could be this. It could be that. And in fact, Josh, when I started... <laughs> really glad that I didn't have to do it. When I started writing the email to you to tell you what the pick of the week was and, and the books I wanted to discuss on the show, uh, there was a different book in the pick of the week section. And I, and I ended up swapping it at the end. I was like, oh, well, no, I guess it's the other one. So the pick of the week, Batman, White Knight, Number Eight, the final issue of the miniseries, the, the Elseworlds, but not Elseworlds miniseries from Sean Murphy, story and art by Sean Murphy, colors by Matt Hollingsworth, letters by the great Todd Klein, and we've been enjoying this series all the way through. Uh, I don't know if it's ever made Pick of the Week before. Mm-hmm. It might have early on, but uh, it's always been terrific. It's always just been a little bit short of the Pick of the Week. And this week, as it wrapped up, we had the big action sequence where all the disparate members of the team have come together to thwart uh, evil Harley Quinn and her zombie villain army. And it was just big action it was exciting. It had a sort of Fast and the Furious vibe to it, and not just because it was full of car racing. It's been a great miniseries, and there was a lot of books this week with really terrific art, but Sean Murphy is, is one of the best guys working right now, and this, this book looks terrific. Meta is certainly ingrained in the, in the culture of Western comics, but this was a super meta book, and I, I thought it really worked for what it was because it was this Elseworlds Batman story. And the idea of the different Harley Quinns and the different Batmobiles across the different eras was great. And then it was a little heartfelt at the end when Batman gets his letter from the newly deceased Alfred. There was a weird cliffhanger, which 
I don't know if they're doing more of these or not. This was apparently super successful. They may do more. I really like this. I thought this was a great miniseries. I thought this was a really fun wrap-up, and I love the action sequence. Hmm. What'd you think of it? Uh, I, I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. I'm talking about the series as a whole, but this sure. sort of counts with that. I, I had a, I had a really hard time. All right, not really hard. That's probably that's probably exaggerating, but there was a little bit of the fuzzy line between this is Batman and this is alternate Batman got me a couple of times, where something would happen or somebody would be there, and I think that doesn't seem like Batman. And then I remember, oh right, it's not Batman, and. I don't know if it helps. What do you mean, Elseworld. alternate Batman? It's it's Elseworlds. Oh right, not, but this is not this is not right. I know this is not. So yeah. the point is though, like it, a lot of times though, it it I kept thinking I was in regular Batman, and maybe that's because it wasn't so far removed from the other one that the mm-hmm. signifiers weren't there. So when something would happen, even if it was little as like one of the characters swearing, I was like, yeah. what the heck? Like it it would take me out of it for a second. I don't know why, and I would love. To get to the bottom of this, not that anybody would ever tell you on the record, but I would just love to know why DC continues to make Elseworlds books, but they won't use that stamp on it. Because I, it's I, a psychological I, thing. When you when you see it on the cover, you you just kind of know this is not this is not I, the world. I really think that like that's like, I I need to know where I am at the beginning of it, and when I start reading, I I just I tend to think of it as being a Batman. And then, you know, for that, there was a couple of times that they, they swore in here. And I don't know if they've done it in other books. And I don't have a problem with it, but it, it just, like, it sticks out like a sore thumb to me in a, in a Batman comic. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel edgy. It just feels like, all right, well, that's there because you had to say it. But it wasn't like that was a thing they were going through the whole time. So basically, there was a, there was a line here that I'm, I guess I'm not sure what – I'm not sure what they were trying to get at a little bit. I feel like it was a lot of ideas thrown – and and some of the um, observations made about the thing that is Batman, I, I don't know. Well, what it, it seemed to me this this was an examination of the common idea that Batman is is as bad as the bad guys. You know, his he's not helping really, mm-hmm. and not just because he's inspiring villains, but because you know he drives around, and smashes shit up with his cars, and you know he's in here. This is an older Batman, much further into the future, and not quite. Dark Knight Returns, you know, age, but but further on, where he has, he has become not bloodthirsty, but he really revels in the pain he brings to the to the criminals of Gotham, and that that is the idea being explored. Is that the, if Batman mm-hmm. continues on his arc, where is he going to end up? And in in this story, he's ending up as a much more brutal vigilante than he than he was before. So that being said, the little capper at the end. Where basically, like, Batman leans over the desk on the last page. I enjoy hurting criminals. And I was just, I don't know. I felt a little on the nose for me. Like, it was like, yes, you're telling me what the point of, of it was. And then, you know, earlier when basically Harley does the same thing. It just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that it did it for me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 maybe, it, maybe, I can't tell if it, at times it was too subtle. Other times it wasn't subtle enough. I just, <laughs> I just don't think it was incredibly deft it was really good to look at and it was a you know it was an exploration it was a thing uh it wasn't fully my cup of tea right i think also also this is this is this is nitpicky the other that other thing stylistic really the nitpicky fanboy thing is i've always hated (laughs) (laughs) for those of you paying attention to this kind of thing um i hate the idea that when 
the Joker turns into the Joker or Jack Napier, like his skin and hair changes. That's stupid. It's I get why they have to do it, like even in this context, but I don't like that either. This seemed to be a special case of. I mean, I've never seen this before to this extent because he he changes personality. This isn't like uh, the Batman '89 movie where he put the fake uh, skin right. skin color on his face uh, when he was on camera, but which was awesome. It was awesome, but and this is a tangent. Confusing. In 1989, I have this memory of a person next to me going, "Oh, his skin isn't white," and I was like, "No, you dolt! It's the other way." Ugh. And I was 12. <laughs> oh, you were 11, actually. <laughs> Whatever I was. Oh, you're right. I was 11. I hadn't turned 12 yet. I was 12. I still thought that in the, in the theater. But anyway, no, that's, that's the biggest sort of leap here, which I guess it's a visual device to show when he's crazy yeah. and when he's not crazy. I get it. It's fine. For this particular story, sure. I wouldn't want that to be the, the quote-unquote real Joker. None of these people are real. Uh, and then finally, if I have one more criticism, and this keeps coming up, I'm sorry. I'm oh, yeah. sound like sure. I don't care. Yeah. But this keeps coming up. I, don't, I, I am not into the Harley Quinn renaissance that we're going through at all. I can see that. I'm just looking really quickly. I, I don't think this has been Pick of the Week. I don't think it's made. It hasn't. I, t- I took yeah. a look. It hasn't been. It's been discussed many times, but it hasn't been Pick of the Week. Yeah, Harley Quinn is definitely being hit over our head. She appeared in at least three books I read this week. I dropped off of her main series a while back uh she's she's um not three series she was in two comics and a cartoon i watched this week she's all over the place she's not going anywhere she's getting her own solo movie it's taking the thing that's good and then and then wringing everything out of it is what's going to happen with harley quinn she's really great when she shows up like the joker every once in a while but now that she's in everything all the time it's just not that special she's she's wolverine without even being that good She's a great character. I really think she's terrific. There's a reason why she has hit. But the mm-hmm. thing was, like a Wolverine, like a Punisher, Yeah. when you overdo it, she loses her specialness. When she's crazy in one book, but your hero in another book and a Suicide Squad member somewhere else, it doesn't really... It's just... it's a, it's a, It gets harder and harder to reconcile the one you see as the Joker sidekick when, mm-hmm. when she's in the Justice League in a book we're about to talk about. Other small diversion... Yeah. Ron and I had dinner the other night. We're sitting outside eating. We're in lower Manhattan. And he goes, and he's talking to me, and he just interrupts me saying, for a second, he goes, John Bernthal. And then I turn, and I'm like, oh, it's John Bernthal as he walks by. And then I said, that's the new Thomas Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you have to respond to that. I'm just going to put it in your head, and I want you to think about it for a little while. We'll come back to it some other time. So here's a final question. And I, 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 I totally understand all your criticisms. I think this is really good, but uh, your, your mileage will obviously vary per story. Yeah. Uh, let's go to page uh, five in your digital readers. The double page spread of all the cars driving. We have There's the, nothing wrong with that. We have the Tumblr. We have the Tim Burton Batmobile. We have the old school giant bat head on the 40s Batmo- car Batmobile. We have the, the 1960s Batmobile. And we have uh, like animated a series. animated series and then like a giant sort of uh, elevated truck with giant wheels Batmobile. Yeah. Which of those is your favorite? Ooh, that's a good question. <sighs> Let's go two questions. Which one is your favorite design, and which one, if you could own one of those, would you own? Oh, God. I, you know what? I This is a cop-out in a way. Like, I really would have a hard time picking a favorite design because mm-hmm. I really like a lot of them for different reasons. Oh, they're all great. And, and a lot of, like, like, 
Like I don't really love the design of the 89 movie one, mm-hmm. but I love that car because <laughs> I can see the Corvette under it. Also, yeah. I know because we're nerds, like it went 25 miles an hour tops. So I remember all these things. I'm looking at this page right now. Uh, the, the, the animated series one looks awesome, but completely impractical. <laughs> Try turning a corner in that car. I thought the Tumblr worked really well in cinema format. I think that worked really well. Yeah. There's something inexplicably cool about 66. Mm-hmm. It just, it will. It's a time and a place. That 40s one looks rad, too. They're all pretty great. Uh, the monster truck one doesn't really do anything for me. One another. I, I don't, don't care know about who the hell the rock is. That's, that's Rocket. Uh, she's one of the bad guys. She's not. I gotta, pick, I gotta pick a favorite. Or how about, let's say, if you, if you were Batman, which one would you be driving? Taking practicality out the window and you're a comic book character. If I'm, if I'm, well, let's see, that's different, though, because you're talking about Batman. If I'm him, practicality, I think you're going to go for the Tumblr. That seems to make the most sense, just in, in sort of usefulness. Design-wise, if I'm making a comic book, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have some take off of, I feel like the one I want isn't in here. I feel like it's late 80s, early 90s DC Batmobile, the whatever the Jim Aparo, Norm Brayfogle era was. I feel like that's right. going to be where I'd go. Like the one that kind of looked like a submarine? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's all of them. Uh, uh, in this one, in this, I would say if you could update the 40s Batman one a little bit and give it all the capabilities, then that one's pretty cool. That's my favorite one, too. Yeah. I mean, they're all terrific, but like... We got there. It took five minutes. Sorry, everyone. The giant bat head on the old sedan is the best. Yep. That's my favorite one. All right. So that's Batman White Knight number eight. That was my pick of the week. Josh didn't like it, but that's okay. We had I didn't say I didn't like it. I think it, was, I think it was good, but, but not for me for a bunch of reasons stylistically, which is what I found most of the time when I read a Sean, Sean Murphy written thing. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that Punk Rock Jesus was called Punk Rock is not Punk Rock. <laughs> and I think that there's a, there's a bluntness to some of it that I don't like mm-hmm. in the writing. I can totally understand why you'd like this and this would be your thing. And also it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, really looking good. Yep. Justice League No Justice number one. Scott Snyder, James Tiny in the fourth. Joshua Williamson on writing duties. Francis Manipal on art. This is the, I believe, four-issue weekly Justice League event. Spilling out of the events of Dark Knight Metal Mm -hmm. and and leading into the New Justice League book. This is like the bridge between that event and the New Justice League book. So this would be, for those of you playing at home... The same as Legends, which was the event spilling out of Crisis on Infinite Earths, which led into Justice League number one by Keith Giffen and Kevin McGuire and James Dimitrios. Mm-hmm. That just came to me right now. There was a bridge event called Legends, and it was awesome. John Byrne drew it. Anyway, there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo in this book. And uh, I don't really like <laughs> the idea of, again, we talked about this before when it was teased, you know, your Lex Luthers, your Harley Quinns, Deathstroke, Lobo. Sinestro and Etrigan and also Starro being on the Justice League for this temporary mission. However, as I was reading it, I thought, you know what? Okay. I'm into it for this particular event because... Four issues? Yeah, it's just four issues. It's kind of like Cosmic Odyssey when the Justice League is a team up with some bad guys. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like... When I was a kid, I had the Marvel role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And you got little character pieces, and they weren't pewter; they were paper folded in in three sections. And so you had the front view of the character, the back view, and the side view. And they were little; they were like, you know, the cheapest little miniature 
of all the characters you could have, but I had them and I would play with them all the time, mostly, and I'm not kidding, spending a lot of my time making new lineups for teams. Sure. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Here's the new Avengers and the Defenders and the X-Men and et cetera, et cetera. So that sort of played to my inner child who did that, where we take mm-hmm. all these characters, we take the Justice League, we take the Suicide Squad, we take the Titans, we take the Teen Titans, and we take this random group of villains and we put them in a blender and we spit out these four teams mixed with all of them. Now, is the is the conceit that they all represent these mystical elements kind of dumb? Yes. Are mm-hmm. there are there matching costumes kind of dumb? Yes. But it's kind of fun at the same time and I'm just trying to I'm trying to let it go and enjoy the enjoy the ride. I went back and forth between this is stupid and this is stupid. <laughs> as I was reading this. There are, there are a lot of characters in here that like I was like oh, I haven't spent any time with John Jones in a while. I kind of like that. I like the conceit of uh, Brainiac saying your math's all wrong. Here's how this has to work. And I was like, that's kind of, that's interesting. That's, that's a thing. You know, Lobo showed up, a lot of Harley Quinn, you know, not so much. There's a lot of obnoxious characters, which is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. Damien, I like Josh Williamson a lot, but I was like, who the hell is this? He's got the attitude of Damien, but the dialogue wasn't right. Damien telling off Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate should have punted him into the netherworld. Well, here's the, I mean, this is, this is, I think this is where we are. I'm with you. Let's get rid of Damien. He's stupid. Let's And let's not explain it. Let's just do some time travel shit and everyone forget and punt him out into the universe. Hashtag punt Damien. We've gotten a long arc where we started off loving him. We, in the middle, we got mm-hmm. kind of tired of him and now we hate him. But like, he hasn't changed in 10 no. years. And all, all other than people are going to mention his that that solo series, Bat Robinson of Batman, whatever it was, where they t- redeemed him, but it didn't matter, it didn't stick. Nope. His hood looks cool. All he does, it does look cool. All he does is show up, and he's an asshole to everybody, and then that's it. That's all he does, and it's annoying. I was thinking about this because there was a bunch of Batman books this week. You know, Robin used to be the aspirational character they created so that kids would, would want to be Robin, and read, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened with me. And I don't want to be this Robin. Even if I was a kid, I wouldn't want to be this obnoxious jerk. He doesn't. Yep. He he's not fun to be around. And now you've got and him. He in doesn't t- get enough redeeming qualities that. I no, don't he know. he doesn't redeem himself ever. Yeah. Anyway, now he's in the Justice League for this event, and that's annoying. But I thought the Man and Paul art was was strong and most well, for the most so, part. Yeah, There's a couple so, of pages where I, I wasn't even sure if he was the artist, but. That, I had that moment too, and and see, no one else seems to be. This is artist Francis Manipal, so I have chosen to like. I thought, wow, this is really this is really kind of interesting for him. And there were a couple where I was like, oh, that's clearly Manipal, and other was I was like, is this is this it, the same dude? It Which was is, the Amanda Waller page, wasn't it? Yep. Where she's looking at fun. the screen. I thought, oh, there's, there's another artist. Nope. I liked whatever texturing he's got going on here. I do too. He's good, he's good at that. That was a thing in his Wonder Woman series that we we noted. I don't know what um, it is or how he does it, but it's it's really nice. Finally, I have two points. Yeah. One, when Brainiac's head exploded, mm-hmm. did that kill all the psychics back with Amanda Waller too? Because it should have. That would have been awesome. Well, weren't they the ones that exploded his head? Yeah, but like maybe it was like a feedback loop and they all blew up. Oh, I thought they just their 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 psychic hacking blew up the robot. That's what I thought. Yeah. Well, don't you think it would go? Th- anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then finally, yeah, these are the Celestials. <laughs> are yeah. in the Avengers book right now. They okay. look exactly the same. Uh, they are mm-hmm. clearly Kirby inspired, which is a lovely, you know, way to go in his design. But 
It's yeah. almost exactly the same story as Avengers number one. Yes, it is. Without the team mixing. Yeah. Yeah. I just let's let's just make a pact, comics industry, to for just a little while have the villains be villains. Just a little while. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying permanently. It's interesting. The villains aren't villains a lot of time, but so what happens is sort of this. Let's let's get it. There's a big external force, something unstoppable and godly that everybody has to rally together to get against, and see what that says about the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been this way for a while. That being said, I had fun with it. I'm I'm trying to put aside all the cynicism. I like, I, as you said, I really like the John Jones part. This is this is the series that's yeah. going to be reestablishing him as the heart of the Justice League. He's on the new roster of the Justice League team. He has almost his old design back. His head is back to normal, mm-hmm. at least here. Um, hopefully, they can give the memo to the, the people at Supergirl. So. The good boots. Yeah, I mean, he looks like, hey, it's John Jones, my, one of my all-time yeah. favorite characters. And he's back after being gone for seven years, basically. Mm-hmm. So we're getting there. We're taking baby steps to to this. I, you know, Superman looks great. It's just, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to access my inner nine-year-old who played with those folded-up pieces of paper. Yes, kids, that's what we did mm-hmm. in, the, in the 80s all day long. And I'm going to try to enjoy this the best I can. And and in that same respect, this is not really my type of comic. Book. No, this is not your type of comic. And so you know, it's fine. But I, I don't I don't know if I'll keep reading it. I, I did want to give it a shot. I think it was important to check it out. And uh, for what it was, I think if you're the kind of person who likes this kind of comic book. I think this is going to do it for you. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. High rated skill. When we talked about Hunt for Wolverine, you said you might follow the story. Mm-hmm. And the question is, have you been? No. Okay. I saw you put it on the list, and I looked at the names, and I went, you're going to have to convince me. So, Connor, so, Well, Hunt for Wolverine, it? the Adamantium Agenda, number one, this is the second issue. The first, there was a, it was a one-shot last week, whose name I've already forgotten. But this is a continuing, it looks like a, like a short mini. Mm-hmm. And here, we have the promise of that original patron pick one-shot in which Iron Man's team of former New Avengers gets together to try to find Wolverine. And here we have the mystery solved, Josh, of who the lady with the hair is. Who was the lady with Would the hair? Would you like to guess? Uh, I don't remember it at all. Like the reference <laughs> that you're... I, I got nothing. It's gone. Part of the reason I didn't read them was that I just don't even see those books. It's like a blind spot. Yeah, it is. Well, if you recall, the uh, Iron Man was asked to help find Wolverine and he pulled up a bunch right. of rosters on his screen that was... It was Spider Man, and it was Luke Cage, possibly Jessica and it, Jones, and it was and it was Jessica Jones. That's correct. Okay. So, right. lady with hair on screen, Jessica Jones. So it's okay. Spider Man, Jessica Jones, Iron Man, and and Luke Cage, who are two thirds of that, you know, New Avengers team with Wolverine. And here, it's a lot of flashback to a mission that they did together, in which there was a bomb that was going to go off in New York, and from a through a very convoluted mess of circumstances someone had to be there to trigger the bomb because if they triggered it manually it only blew up in a 200 foot radius but if it triggered on its own it would vaporize like the whole island mm-hmm. and they even mentioned this seems really contrived however it was designed so that wolverine would sacrifice himself obviously they, he could grow back but he'd be in a lot of pain and so that is a memory they have uh, as they're in the, the present trying to find the new body uh, or find out what happened to Wolverine, and 
you know, it's fun. I think this, this is a fun story. I like that Wolverine touches all these characters mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of other mutants don't. I mean, Beast does because Beast was an Avenger forever. But, yep. you know, Wolverine spent a lot of years in a lot of, over the last 15 as an Avenger. So yeah, I like that in this pretty much X-Men book, you've got the, the Avengers out looking for Wolverine just as hard as they would for anyone else. And so they go to... A secret uh, submarine. I love these. I love this. This is the stuff I love. There is mm-hmm. a underground black market auction happening for stuff, which is, you know, it's a time-honored trope in these stories. And they, they, they get the word that they're selling someone's DNA sequence, someone big in the hero world. And they're like, oh, shit, it's got to be. It's got to be Wolverine. So they go, they go, they sneak into it. Tony Stark sneaks in to go to the auction. But it's not Wolverine. It is Luke and Jessica's daughter. Danielle, they have her oh. DNA sequence. So now you've got Luke and Jessica on a submarine full of supervillains who have their daughter's DNA, and I can't imagine that submarine's not going to sink. So that was that was the big reveal at the end. I think this was fun. This was super. I, I think you would I, enjoy this. It's almost it's almost like a new Avengers book. I really like the art. The art's real good. I, I was walking, looking through it, decided when deciding whether I liked it or not. Tony Stark has a bitchin uh blazer um <laughs> with t- a turtleneck. turtleneck yeah that's pretty good there's one if you go to digital panel 12 um it's a poor uh layout choice where it looks like there's a giant tony stark about yes. to step on <laughs> yes t- yes tiny can you pride yeah it does look but other than that it's pretty good um, no the art's good and that's uh, fun i think you and tom taylor's a fun he's he's he just he wrote something I liked recently, and I thought, I need to see more of what this dude's doing. Because I've seen that name around a little bit, but I'm not familiar with him. I don't remember what it was. but um. Well, read Hunt for Wolverine, the Adamantium Agenda, everyone, including Josh, if you, if okay. you, if you liked that original Hunt for Wolverine story. It's fun. It's, it's good for new Avengers fans, and uh, I, I recommend good. it. That'll work for me. So I read Barrier two and a half years ago. Well, I didn't. And it came out in print, uh, the first two issues, uh, this, this time. Um, and I, I decided to read it. Um, so is, I guess if you never read it, uh, then, um, then this is your time because and it is current. I decided it. Well, we've done this before. I think this fits in our rules. Yeah, for Something sure. But digital goes, I'm just it. curious. I don't know if they ever did the whole thing. Oh, five. Is- yeah, they did five issues. Yeah. So this was a, this was a panel syndicate book. Uh, and it came out for the first time in 2015. There were five issues. It finished in 2017. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin, Munsta Vincente, the, t- the team behind The Private Eye, which is a book we, yep. t- we loved. I never read Beyond Issue 1 because it, it just didn't do it for me. So I never continued with it. But this is a book that came out over the course of, uh, I guess, five issues over the course of two years came out. Which yeah, is rough, which is I rough. think it would be harder to read like that. I really liked reading two in a row. Yeah. And I think I think the next one's in a couple of weeks. I think the first one was issued as part of Free Comic Book Day, mm-hmm. um, but then the version that came out in shops this week was a little nicer. I see, little, little different different kind of deal. And yeah, I, I so you don't think you read past the first one? No, I definitely didn't. Okay, well, it goes from being we discussed this earlier. Like, if I'm going to be a sci-fi guy, I'm really more of a hard sci-fi kind of guy. And once things start getting really big and expansive, and I don't know what the opposite term of hard sci-fi is, but... Well, uh, hard sci-fi can also be very big and expansive. Yeah, and I think this is actually that. So basically, the Texan girl and the and a, and a 
I think he's from Guatemala, a Guatemalan uh, illegal immigrant comes here and they both meet in her field. And then at that moment when they're, they're yelling at each other or he's confused and she's yelling at him because some stuff happened, they get sucked up by a giant spaceship, um, mm-hmm. which is not, doesn't look like anything, any, any spaceship, which is, which is the thing I liked. I like the idea that wherever they're going is nothing like anything we understand, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like a rival, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but even more organic looking. And so the second issue is basically them finding their way around in this, this crazy and alien interior of this crazy, like alien sh- ships, almost not the right word, but right. Organism. thing that, yeah, that came and got them and, and, and just sort of the mechanics of how that all works. And they're trying to communicate with each other, but they can't because they don't speak the same language at all. And her clothes were burned off, which is, there's something halfway exploitative and halfway like you're saying something that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that it wasn't done in a lascivious way. And he immediately gives her uh, his sweatshirt. You haven't read it. So I'm referring to things you don't know about. That's but fine. I, basically, so that, like they're trying to communicate with each other. There's no there's no translation done. He's speaking Spanish. If you don't speak Spanish, you've got to try to follow it. And they know that they understand it. And I decided that like it was like, you know what? they're they're doing this on purpose in such a way that if you can't read the Spanish, you're going to try to work it out through the comic book art and the context and everything, or, you know, whatever a small amount of pigeon Spanish you might possess uh, as you read it, and, which I actually liked. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. In right. this context, I, I enjoyed it. You know, it, it's, it's like bringing two people together who have nothing to do with each other in the context of this literal alien world and these beings that sort of don't make sense to anything we do. Um, and it, it's sort of paced out very slowly and interestingly. Uh, you know, the art is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Marcos Martin went to do this stuff instead of doing the really, really beautiful uh, mainstream comics that he was doing. And so I'll take that as a place to get, you know, more of his his work. It's, it's a lot of stuff going on here, just like with anything. But with Brian uh, Vaughn, I think sometimes it goes on too long, but here he's got just this, like, he's really good at short stories. Yeah. And I, and I like it in this context. So I think it's definitely worth picking these up. If there's five, then, you know, it, you're in and out in a nice, nice little story in that horizontal format. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here and talk about Harry's. And Josh, what is the one thing that you love most about shaving with Harry's? So if you just had to pick one thing, I know there are many things you love about it, but what's, what would be one thing? I'm going to go ahead and be completely honest here. Yeah, sure. Super happy about that orange handle. That and complete that orange handle completely fit my aesthetic. And then when they switched it to sort of the uh, from the smooth plastic to sort of the textured mm-hmm. plastic, I was over them. I was like, that's that's design wise. That's what I want in my life. The fact that it works well on top of that is a bonus. But that was the first thing that caught my eye. It's still like, oh, those are cool looking. Well, that, that there's a reason. And why. If you don't want orange, there are other options. But for me, I had orange. I have orange as well. It's a great right. looking color. I think it was part of like the Palm Springs collection or something like that. I was like, yes, that's what I want to be. That's why I, my, mm-hmm. I want my life to be this. Yep. I'm going to express it through my razor. If I had to choose, since I can't choose the handle since Josh chose it already. Sorry. I'm going to say that when I shave with Harry's, my skin feels better than when I do with other razors and gels. And I don't know if it's a combination of the great blades that they, they make, which we'll talk about in a second, or if it's the, the shave cream or what, or if it's together. But my skin does not feel this good with other razors. I'm telling you, I have not had a, like a razor bump or an ingrown hair in, in quite a while. It just feels soft, and it feels yep. it feels nice and and moisturized. I'm sure there's some great stuff in the in the gel. I just haven't read the back, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that in another show. We'll read the back and we'll get back to you. 
that'll be fun. There's a reason why they shave so good, because Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, and they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision. So they created a trial offer, and you can claim yours by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. Harry's founders were fed up, as I'm sure you were, as I know Josh and I were, with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features, your, your vibrating blades, your 15 blades with a kung fu grip, all those things that you didn't need on your razor blades. Unnecessary. Just be the thing you are, which is a good blade. And they know a great shave comes down to a great blades made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. And that's why they bought that factory in Germany that's been making the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. And by selling to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a fair price much lower than the leading brand, just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more. And they got a quality guarantee. If you don't love the shave, you let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. Who does that? People who stand behind their blades and know that their blades are great. So here's the details for our great offer for you. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get the weighted ergonomic handle that Josh just described to you in loving detail. You get the five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. For your for your sideburns, and then you get the rich lathering shave gel, which I just talked about, and of course the travel blade cover, which we've talked to death, but is essential if you're ever, as we are constantly on the road, take your Harry's with you. It's great. I would also like to point out that I just looked up the words razor blade factory in German, mm-hmm. and it's Razia Klingenfabrik. We need to put that in the show every week. Mm-hmm. Razia Klingenfabrik. Yep, there you go. Beautiful language. <laughs> okay, listeners of our show can redeem the trial set at harrys.com slash ifanboy. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to redeem your offer. And hey, you might as well, when you're getting the order done or on social media, let them know we sent you and help support the show that way. It helps It helps for them to know that we are having people go to Harry's. So if you do take us up on this trial offer, and I don't know why you wouldn't, it's a $13 value, let them know we sent you. We really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. So this week... Flash. Uh, a couple of books. This one, the next book we're going to talk about, more of the the pre fifty two bleeding into the into this world. I assume you read the Flash because we've been reading. The Flash. I did. Here, Wally goes to the Flash Museum only to find there is no Flash Museum, but in his head there is one. And I thought that was a very, I don't want to say sad, but it was it was a sort of startling scene for me when he's standing there in the museum, and then Barry's like, "What are you looking at?" And then we the next panel is the same shot, but with nothing in the background. It was. It was sad for me because, you know, it was drawn by Scott Collins, who drew Wally for so long. Sure. So it had that look. And, and it, you can just see in the, in the great panel where Wally's looking back and forth of what's going on, you can just see the anguish in his face. It's great Scott Collins work this, on this issue. about He feels like he's losing his mind. Yeah, I could barely follow this one. <laughs> it also could be he's wearing a magenta costume. That might be why he's losing his mind, too. Yeah, it just I think that I, I recognize I was like, OK, it's Scott Collins are doing Wally. This is the this is that whole run. And it was a lot of stuff here that I was like, I don't quite know what this is about. I think that's what you mm-hmm. want from a Flash comic. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the stuff that I know as well. So it didn't resonate. Yeah, quite so here we have. Hunter Zolomon, who was basically Wally's reverse Flash, teaming up with Eubod Thawne, Barry's actual reverse Flash, to, you know, fuck with the Flashes. And then Eubod goes and dies, which we've, we've seen happen in the Flash book. This is clearly taking place over the course of many issues. And so now Eobod Thawne, who I, I will admit, the motivating factor behind the two reverse Flashes never made any sense to me, but I just go with it. Mm-hmm. The idea of I want to make these heroes better by making their lives terrible. It just has always seemed, seemed very flimsy to me. However, you just kind of roll with that. So clearly here, 
because this is prelude to Flash War, and then at the end it says Flash War begins, he's going to be manipulating uh, Wally and Barry into into uh, conflict, I guess. I don't want that. Yeah, no one wants it. So Yeah. We'll see. So wait, Hunter Zolomon, that was Professor Zoom? No, Professor, he was basically Wally's perversion of Professor Zoom. Professor okay. Zoom is Eobard Fong. Okay, that's what I thought, who's yeah. also Reverse Flash. Right, and then he died, obviously. Remember, yes. the flat Barry in the original continuity killed him. That's why he went on trial. And so then Eobard thought, no, God damn it. Hunter Solomon started wearing that costume and terrorizing Wally in, in Jeff Johns' run. Okay, that I remember. And that's the first, that was the first reverse flash I ever read. Right. And so I was like, what the hell is going on? This is, who is this person? It's very confusing. It was very confusing. Like reverse flash keeps showing up, but he keeps dying. And I was like, I can't, I can't. It's a lot. That's why Wally's freaked out. Imagine living it. Yeah. Imagine living Mm -hmm. it. We just read it. Yeah, I hear you. It's confusing enough. Brief mention of Detective Comics 980. We've been talking a little bit about how, uh, I have been talking about it, how Hmm. Tim Drake from the future of the pre-continuity, of the pre-52 continuity. So somehow in the future of that world, which stopped, has showed up to terrorize uh, the Bat family because in that future... Uh, Batwoman turned evil and destroyed the Bat team, and so he, he's showing up to stop that. Even though now he realizes this is a different world, so this has been this has been the conflict happening in Detective. And here, Stephanie Brown, spoiler, and the orphan. Wait, were you warning me, or were you just saying her no, name? That is her. That is her superhero name. Thank you. And then Cass, Cassie Kane, who goes by Orphan here, are infiltrating his his base, and he shows them. Uh, see how lame you are here. You are awesome in the other universe, and he shows them an image of Cassie as Batgirl and Stephanie as God. Batgirl, and then uh, then he shows also Steph- Stephanie that she was Robin at one point. And remember how good that Batgirl series was? It was terrific. Both Batgirl series were terrific. Both of yep. their series were great, and Cassie was a great Batgirl. The mute the mute Batgirl came out of the uh, Cataclysm storyline. Oh. I mean, it was terrific. He's like, yeah, look how awesome you were, and how lame you are now. And I was like, yeah, kinda, 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 <laughs> kinda right. <laughs> Can't disagree with you there, Psycho. Oh, that book was so good. And so, uh, no, it's just so, so it was, that was a big moment where they're like, wow, so I guess in the other world, I was cool enough to be Robin. That's cool. So it kind yep. of backfires on him because she's like, I, if I was good enough to be Robin in one world, I'm awesome in this world. I'm going to kick your ass. I mean, that was the moment. But still, it's like more and more of this, of referencing the past happening. And I, I'm trying to figure out what's that, what that all is leading to. I don't know, but do you, did you see, I might, I don't think I'm wrong about this, but I think that uh, Brian Edward Hill, who's the guy who's doing that, uh, that, that Wildstorm Michael Cray book. Yeah. Taking over Detective. I did see that. Yes. Yeah. Which is interesting because his whole book that he's doing, the only thing I know him from, which is really pretty good book, um, is all about like deconstructing them into all of the heroes into villains. Well, I think we're seeing that on the horizon is coming a big shakeup. Yep. Good. As I accidentally turn on my other computer, so it's going to get loud for a second. So let's talk about analog number two. Analog number one was the pick of the week on your solo show, and I read one yeah. and two this week. Did you enjoy it? I love one. Two was fine. I thought two was better than one. Interesting. Because I wasn't sure where we stood with one. One was like, here's what this world is. If I had any criticism, I, I liked the fight. I liked the way it went. It was very like – it was a Warren Ellis sort of factor to it, and there was a – there was like a, a thing where like oh he he's screwed he has to do this thing he's got no way around it mm-hmm. 
and like I kind of dug that. Basically, he's a it, it's a world where the there's spies everywhere. So he he's basically a courier. For, well, the world is there's there's spies everywhere because the internet, much like in the private eye, the internet right. broke open. Everyone's secrets came out, so now everything is done. Everything important is done with pen and paper. Right, and no. and he and he ferries those documents around. He's a courier, in a basically, secret way. Yeah. Um. There's. It's funny because that's very Warren Ellis, and then he goes home to his girlfriend, who I don't know if he called Garth Ennis, and he was like, "Can you just give me one of your stock female characters, who's a half black, half Irish uh, girl named Una with a gun?" And I was like, "That is a Garth Ennis villain or girlfriend, if I've ever seen one in my life." Yeah. Um. And they have kind of an interesting relationship. And I and I, I I dug it. I, I like I can recognize all the disparate elements in it as other things that I've seen in comics. But there was a, a little twist on some of it. Um, I like the I world like the, a lot. I, I, yeah, I like the I, world. And uh, O'Sullivan, whoever mm-hmm. his first name is, is a strong artist for this kind of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's definitely he's there's there's a lot of again elements of of artists that I like that he's drawing here. I think there's like a touch of Darwin. There's a little Steve Dillon. There's yeah. There, there's other things in here, is you know, and because it's Jerry Duggan, it's funny, even though it's not a comedy book. Right. There's some yep. great bits in it because uh, he's very funny. Um, I'm trying to find the one I liked where the guy's waving at. I, him. I will tell you, if I had a criticism, it's that I don't like that the main character is the guy who caused the privacy thing. Well, I, well, I guess we'll. I'm sure that's part of the story, but like, I would be fine to like watch people have to deal with that is well i think the thing that's beneficial is that he carries around this secret and this guilt that he's terrified of it being exposed because no one i guess no one really knows that he's the one that did it right other than the people that hired him to do it right so he's constantly worried that people are going to find out that he's the one that did it so i get to the end of the issues same thing with last one and same thing with this one i was like well wait what's next i want i want to know the next part and that really is the key to like whether i enjoyed it or not well it's a really fun world i I think it's 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 a it's a, it's a real good new image book, which we have. What have you thought of here? You know, what's what's right. next? Yeah, the, the first names are not in the book. Yeah, I don't know. I'll solve them. <laughs> it's, there's privacy issues. So Color, there's colors by, I assume, Sean Spicer, which is good to see he got another gig. Yeah, you know, it's good stuff. You don't want him to starve. We're going to go into a corner of the room we haven't been to in a while, Josh. War Corner. And talk about World of Tanks colon Citadel number one. This is from Dark Horse Comics. This is Garth Ennis's second licensed uh, war stories using the branding of the immensely popular World of Tanks video game and but really just an excuse for him to tell more tank based war stories whatever it takes <laughs> and if that is what causes the budget enough uh, to go up enough that they can hire uh, Irish artist PJ Holden mm-hmm. to draw this book that looks like this and and the colorist uh, Rob Steen who oh, these are professionals no, the letter uh, Michael, Michael Atea uh, and Rob Steen on letters, it just looks like a professional book. And and a lot of times with these war stories, they do what they can, and they suffer a little on that front. Well, his um, Avatar stories, the biggest downfall was the art was was yeah. a, a below, a below professional level. But this, I mean, you're right. I mean, it doesn't really matter that it's a licensed comic because it's just an excuse, <laughs> and he gets better people. And PJ Holden's art here is really terrific. It's a uh, it's it's a little straightforward. It's a little cartoony. The characters' faces are a little exaggerated, but in a good way. Yep. At times. But, it, so but his, a little, his planes and tanks are on point. His uniforms are, awesome. are good. Yeah, it's, it's this is good. And it's uh, the story. Just for those of you, again, this is this is a thing that maybe Connor and I like more than <laughs> your average bear. But you know, you've got the German and Russian front. Uh, nineteen forty-three. Are we two? Are we nineteen forty? 
Let me scroll the front. You keep talking. We're in July 1943. So basically at this point, Hitler has realized that it wasn't going to be as easy as he thought. The Russians are putting up a fight. It's been going on a year. So the Germans are now falling back, and they're all sort of dealing with, with that. So they've been doing this for a while. The meat grinder. Yep. That was their eastern front. There's new tanks. But uh, like the Russians get some some British tanks and they're like, oh, these are shitty. And then the Tiger tanks show up and the Panzer guys are like, what the hell? And the ti- guys driving the Tigers are jerks. There's there's horrors in a trailer park. It's it's, it's, it's Thanos so, at his finest. I think it's so good. I mean, I, I hate that he has to do it, but it's it's I find it somewhat amusing that he just has to he's just going around to every company at this point to get to tell war stories and however however he has to do it. How impressive is that? He's done it at Vertigo. He's done it at Avatar. He's done it at Dynamite. He's done Dynamite. it here at Dark Horse. I mean, I may have even missed one, but... He, I mean, like, he squeezed a couple into Marvel, sort of, you know, sideways. Right, so... A little bit, too. I know this is his passion. We've talked about it many times. We love it, too. Uh, as long as people keep publishing these books, I don't care. I, hopefully this is a home he's found with World of Tanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, just if that name on the front causes it to sell you know 5,000 more or something like that then we're golden so I'm telling those of you at home who may not look at this cover and think anything and you like the kind of things that we like uh, you should you should go for this because this is this is this is good old stuff yes classic Carthenis war stuff so let's do the patron pick everybody patron pick so patreon.com slash ifanboys where you can go sign up to be a patron join the other people there who are all our favorite people and then every week you can vote to put a book into the rundown it's a fun time for everyone. This week, the overwhelming favorite by uh, embarrassingly big margin was Venom Number no. 1, story by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Mayer, colors by Frank Martin, letters by Clayton Callis. Well, I want to thank everyone for making this easy on us because <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but I did an hour and a half talk with the writer of this a week ago. We were probably going to read it. But, hey, your call. It's I'm actually... Fine with the choice, obviously. Okay, so this is a new take on Venom. Eddie Brock is Venom again. Since the last time I saw Venom, it was, uh, what's his name? Flash Thompson. Yep. With no legs. Doing super, super spy Venom work that Rick Remender wrote, I believe it was. Yes. Tony Moore was on it for a little while. Then Tom Fowler. That's right. That's right. It looked good. It was a good book. You take uh, the storytelling magic of Donny Cates. You take the art magic of Ryan Stegman, who was terrific. You take J.P. Mayer's comic magic, Frank Miller's, Frank Martin's color magic, Clayton Callis's letter magic. You put it all together, and I just don't care. Yep. I mean, uh, <laughs> it really hurt my soul because Stegman is terrific. He just keeps doing these books I just don't care about. Obviously, we talked about Donny Case to death. He's one of the most exciting new names in comics. The other, J.P. Mayer, Frank Martin, Clayton Clouds, all professional comic creators. I just don't care. I hate Venom. I don't hate Venom, but I don't care about Venom. I thought the same thing about that Remender um, run is that I thought it was, oh, it's an interesting take. It's a way to change things up. Well, it was up. non-Venom Venom. Yeah, but it was still like, you know, the symbiote and the way that that works with him and the voice in the head and the whatever. I've never gotten into Eddie Brock in any way. And I remember because my first comics, like the first like proper comics that I ever really read were uh, McElhinney, Farland. Oh, for sure. Early 300s. Amazing. They exist in a time and place. That type of character is like a Lobo to me. Yep. Yeah. 
that that's a very 90s character that existed in time and place. Venom was an extremely effective character back then. When I was a kid reading Spider-Man, when Venom showed up, you were scared. Right? I will never forget, it was one of my first comics I ever read, is the first page was you open it, and it's Eddie Brock as drawn by Todd McFarlane mm-hmm. standing on Aunt May's porch. And he's just like, hi, is Peter home? And I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> and he's never beat that moment. Mm-mm. Because he knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man and he went to his house to see him. I mean, I don't know if that was exactly the dialogue, but that was basically it. And I was like, that is fantastic and scary and awful. And it's never equaled that or come close to it. So I want to be clear, I think, on a, a technical level, on a, you know, making comic, good dialogue, good stuff, all those things. This was great. There is a problem. Okay. I'm going to have to – we're doing the – they're doing the legacy thing. The legacy numbering. That's what that was. No, 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 no. Not that. No. I mean the idea that Venom was not a symbiote that was dropped from space at that era. Oh, yes, yes, yes. always been a Venom and – I hate that. Oh, you mean like the the spider totem thing? Yes. I thought you meant that on the cover under Marvel number one it says LGY hash mark 166. And I assume that means legacy number 166. Probably. And I'm okay. I don't care about that. Whatever. Anyway, yes. No, I did hate that. The, that. That is my least favorite thing in comics is is yes. to make these characters part of... There's always been a Green Arrow. No. That's stupid. Right. There's always been a Venom symbiote. No. I, I mean, fine. If you want to say there's always been these alien... Yeah. You know, whatever it was. But, like, the idea that it came to Earth through the Beyonder was a special thing. Like, But if you're telling me that there's always been a, a Venom and it's been on Vikings and things... It's just... it's. It's not as special. These characters are less interesting when they're just another in a long line of characters. But I'm going to tell you something that I do like. What? That might just... It could, it could really... It could vindicate the whole thing. There's a scene here. It's on the second page of the whole thing uh, where you have various animal-themed villain henchman types. You got your jack-o'-lantern and then you got the bear guy and you got the... I don't know, he's an aardvark guy or something like that. Uh-huh. I want to just hang out with those dudes all the time. For sure. I really like low-level villains in stupid animal costumes. Wasn't the bear guy from from the Ant-Man book? He was just in the Ant-Man book, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. I want more of that, though. I don't even know that there's another animal off to the side there. It's like a rhino, or, but he's not the rhino. I like that Stegman draws the McFarlane-style webs. Yes. I thought the book looked terrific. I just I just can't bring myself to care about Venom, and I I just don't like that it's, it's a... A venom through the ages thing. I just I don't like mm-hmm. really anything about it. So it's unfortunate. I was hopeful because of Donny Cates and Stegman that they, that I would finally find a way to like Venom, but I just I just can't do it. Can't do it. Well, I mean, it, it's it in a way it's like it's sort of true to Venom. No, for sure. I'm sure it's Venom. I mean, you know, like, maybe Venom fans loved it, and that's terrific. I think they did. I mean, if I was them, this is what I would want. You want a guy who can tell the story. You want a dude who is clearly you know in the McFarlane lineage mm-hmm. uh, with Stegman. But that's mm-hmm. not necessarily where my tastes are. For sure. I am going to read the next one. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, giving whoa, you jumped on it. Let's know, do ratings. Ratings. Out of five, I'm going to give it a three, unfortunately. I'm going to give it a three and a half. All right. And you're going to stick with it. I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the next one because I think from a storytelling standpoint, uh, everything else that I've read from Kate's in the last you know, six months or so is, has been interesting. It's wrapped up interestingly. Mm-hmm. So I want to see if maybe there's something offered to me uh, in the second one that, that it'll grab me a little more. All right. So there you go. Venom number one, the patron pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can vote on the patron pick every week. But also, 
If you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and you give the $5 or a higher level, you get your very own dumb superpower on the show live. So that's how we like to thank our patrons. Josh, kick it off. Katie Clowater uh, has vision that is 10 times better than the actual, than the normal human, but only half the field of vision. So no peripheral vision. Yeah, just it's a it's a narrower and smaller field of vision, a little like a tunnel vision kind of thing. Hmm. But what she can see within there is much more uh, detailed, clear, and and distance. Interesting. It's not really funny. I was like, no, no, no. It doesn't have to be funny. Yeah, but so is it ten times funny. the distance? It's all of the things. All of it. So ten times the so focus, you can the see distance. ten times the distance. You can see ten times the clarity. Ten times the magnification. Ten wow. times the um. Uh, light sensitivity. So she's um, almost like a human microscope. Or telescope, all those yeah. things. It's a lot of lenses. It's just that it's a narrow, it's a smaller, half the field of vision. Well, the, the tragedy is she can't drive a car. Right? Hmm. She can tell, she could read that license plate way up over the bridge. Right. But she's not going to be able to tell if somebody's in her blind spot. Okay. Jake Brand. Jake Brand can play sweet guitar licks using only his snapping fingers. Without a guitar, presumably. Yeah, without a, without a guitar. Yeah. yeah. He's, the snapping of his fingers makes guitar sounds, and he can play sweet guitar licks. Uh, it, okay, now, there are lots of variables to a guitar <laughs> sound. So sure. my question is, is it a specific type of guitar? Is it an acoustic sound? Is it, there's, is there, is it electric? Is it loud? Is it... Can he choose the type of tone he wants? Are, are effects incorporated into this in any way? Yes. <laughs> and that's just a choice. It's, it's almost like, you know, when someone blows into a harmonica, suddenly all kind of sounds can come out. Uh-huh. Even though they're, they're just blowing into a piece of metal. Right. Uh, he, he can, by, by the subtle variations of his fingers, the angles... The, the, the force with which he snaps, all of these things can change so, the tone, the sound, as if, as if he has pedals. Other, more, I have more questions. If he snaps Sorry. softly, it's more acoustic, <laughs> but if he's loud, it's more like he's slash. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I feel like you may have stepped in something that you weren't prepared to deal with. <laughs> I'm just saying, this, this is only an hour-long show. I understand. So let's just say, for example, Submit like follow up questions to contact Connor at ifanboy.com. I have two follow up questions, okay. and I, I know we, I know we need to move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a choice. Then you can say, I, you know, like I want a high gain, like I want this to sound like a, like a Gibson ES three thirty five through uh, a Marshall stack that's very loud uh, and has a high gain on it. He can do that with the inflection of the the musculature. It's just the subtle movement of his fingers. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then we're just licks. It's not. It's not playing a melody. Can't do rhythm. It's not a strumming kind of thing. But it's just like there, bah. no. He, I mean, he can. You know, I guess if he was idly rubbing his fingers, it would be more like a strumming sensation. So he could be in a band. Is my point for sure? Okay, but he'd be standing up there, just you know, there's a visual around with that's his, being lost with his with his fingers, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that would be a, a draw. But it, well, it, there's two ways. I mean, a lot of people get into it just because they like the visual of all the stuff. But right. you know, load in, load out, a lot easier. Cost obviously sure. better. Uh, front of house guy is probably happy if he can control the sound. He's probably so. going to be a meme. <laughs> so. And then 
it'll be like like uh, most of the comments will be from fifty five year old guys. I don't know, man. Don't sound <laughs> as good as a Gibson and a Fender, man. Right. I mean, the, you don't want to read the forums, the, the, nope. the guitar forums, when it comes. I to never that. needed effects pedals when I was young, man. <laughs> Joshua Gianone. 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 Eh. Neither <laughs> of those stink. are right. I bet. He doesn't stink. He, oh, never. He doesn't, he doesn't stink. He huh. smells pleasant. At all times, no matter what? Mm-hmm. Even in like, in like Houston in August after a run, just mm-hmm. just like flowers? It's even worse than Like imagine Houston after a run and then you just sat there for six hours in a leather chair. <laughs> right? That. But, but Josh, mm-hmm. this guy? Mr. Gianone, uh, no, it smells fresh, it smells clean, it's pleasant, hmm. doesn't stink. Juan Ponce, if he grows his right index finger nail long enough, it is a universal key. Huh. But he has to grow it, like, at the same rate? Well, it has and- to be long enough to fit in locks. But so, like... But this is like he's got to do one of those Guinness things. Like he's got to let it grow out yeah. for a year. However long it takes to grow the length, you know, how long is the key? Two inches? What is the length? Is there a, does he know that he has to get to two, three, four inches? He's got to let it grow to two inches. Okay. And once he does that, it, it can open any lock. That's going to take like six, seven. So it's before it starts curling over into the loop de loop thing. Yeah. Then once that happens, he can't get it. Which, in a lock which by the way, is disgusting. Yeah. Don't do that. Just. It's awful. I don't like fingernails. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. And if you give it the $5 or higher level, you can get your own dumb uh, superpower. Which we love to give and we hope you love to receive. In the same spirit in which it is given. So get the over to uh, Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Uh, where uh, the pledge drive to get to the all-media podcast. What was the movie? What did we talk about last week? Almost Famous? <laughs> we did. There was, a, there, was a, there was a bit of a backlash for you in the oh, uh, Patreon that? Facebook group. They don't about, want that? Oh. about the, uh, the your opinions on almost famous, but uh, oh. Team I Connor was, I believe, chanted at many at that many times. They'll never get to hear why I think that the pledge then, drive is, is is hovering around twenty six hundred, which means we need about four hundred dollars more in pledges to get to the monthly. Is it monthly? The monthly non comics media podcast. So, there, so there it is. It's sitting out there. But but regardless of that part, this is people out there saying, you know, we like the show. We want to support it, which is what you have to do with things that you like. There's a couple of things like that that I'm like, I have to support that thing. So I don't want it to go away. And I want those people to know that I appreciate it. And I want to make their lives a little better for the thing they're, that, they're, that they're giving us. And it's, it's the same way. This is how this sort of very small media version of our world works now. And to those of you who stepped up and said, oh, man, I totally do want to support this as a thing. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, and, and thank you. It and does a lot more content. You do get shows like the books flow, the talks flow. Out of there is that. That's, yeah. that's the other part of it. Yep. And but the hangout, the monthly hangout. Right thing to do. Yeah. Hangouts are fun for us, too. This is just a bonus. There's also t-shirts available. There are seven designs over at ifanboy.threadless.com. The Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters shirt. I think it's a good one. I think, And I think it's poised to become the second most popular. Let me, let me check while you talk, and I'll, I'll give okay. you the update. Uh, you can do that one. There's the there's the sleeper, the, G, the GDAT. Let's, let's be honest. It's pretty, pretty uh, goddamn American treasure. You know, it's fairly inside. Well, here's the good news. We've sold a bunch more GDAT stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're no longer, it's no, I mean, it's still a runt, but it's no longer uh, embarrassingly low. 
Okay. Uh, nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. Is actually I think has passed. If one is Electro to become the second most popular design. Wow. After the FM that. Boy logo design. So there you go. I think it's time to start pushing ratings. <laughs> ratings. Look, ratings is doing respectable business. All right. You got free shipping through May 14th uh, on that. So get to that. Yeah, we talked last week about it was to May 7th, but then they extended it a week after we published the show. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so if you missed a week there, get, get on it again. You can go to ifamber.com slash support. If you don't want to deal with any of that stuff, you can, there's a direct donation via PayPal link if you just want to show a little appreciation there. That's awesome. And, of course, over to ifamber.com slash Amazon where you'll find links to buy those books that you hear on the Booksplode. You're always going to find a link to Amazon on the uh, entry for this show, on the individual podcast entries. There'll be a thing there for the pick of the week as well as a general link over to Amazon. Let's do a quick email, even though we're running slightly long, I think. Patrick K. from North Carolina. I've been thinking about this since May 6th, but I was wondering what your thoughts were on any of the free comic book day issues that came out. Did you go anywhere special? Josh, did you take your family? Connor, take the wife. I loved it, but I look forward to it every year. This is the part. Well, for doing first talk about if you read any of the issues, because they were available for free on Comicsology. I don't think so. I read two. There was an Avengers one, which was basically just a prelude to the issue we read. Yeah, I, was I, fine. Yeah, I, thought I didn't. Get thee to Comixology and read the Spider-Man one because it was the first issue of Nick Spencer and Ryan, uh, not Ryan Stegman, Otley. Nice. It's terrific, and now I'm really excited for Amazing Spider-Man. Cool. Yeah. There, there might be a, a perfect pair for Spider-Man. So, yeah, I'm a jerk. I didn't go. I haven't gone. There was This is the first year I thought, because my first son doesn't give a shit. Like, I try to take him, and he doesn't care. So I don't really want to go stand in a line. So, and it's also outside of my like comic. Well, book I think routine. it's more. I mean, I think it's more about um, the, the community around it, right? I mean, yeah, I don't go to the comic shop anymore, though. Like, I'm a jerk. I'm still friends with the guys who own it. I just don't go there. So, like, it's a thing. Yeah, I don't have a store here, so I don't. I didn't go. I haven't really gone. I, I think I went the first year. The first year I moved to LA, someone I knew was signing at some store way out in the valley. Mm-hmm. And and people who know LA know for, it, it's, it's, if you don't live in the valley, it's not fun to get there. So I went to that one, and then I haven't gone since because, like Josh, I don't shop at a store. I, I use Comixology. I don't really have the stores I've been to here. I don't really love. And I thought about going. We I discussed a couple of options, but I was like, well, I don't want to give that guy any money, and I don't want to give that guy any money. <laughs> so wow, because there there's a couple of really poorly run stores here. Sure, there's good ones, but they're far away from you. Yeah. I just downloaded the comics on comics. I'll read those there. And the thing is, we have a community called iFanboy. That's true. So, you know, I'm horrible. I don't, I don't remember the last time I was in a comic shop. It's been years. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I, don't know I know either. there's I don't comic know. shop people who listen to this, and it's not to say don't do that. It doesn't fit into my life right now. <laughs> like, and that's honestly the other part of it is like, I get my comics on Wednesday and I read as many of them I can before this sh- we have to do this show. That's where comics lives in my life. From Wednesday to Friday. Basically, yeah. And then I'm not going to go to the shop and look for a new thing. Like it's it's not for me. And I and I don't want to be around people. No, I no, it's not. Well, that's slightly true. You don't like people anymore. I'm trying to. But I think I did have the inkling that like I was like next year I'm going to bring my kids because my older kid is it can read now. So he might want to pick up something. He might think that that's fun and maybe that'll spark more interest in him that wasn't there before. And my younger son really likes superheroes and he's old enough now. So I think I'm sure he'll like the spectacle of it. I know the guys who run my local shop. They're a great shop. They do like a whole thing where they have 
cosplay people and there's yeah. lines. And if you like that kind of thing, it's great. It's a whole event. I want the exact opposite of that from a comic shop. Right. I want to go in, have no one talk to me, pick <laughs> out exactly what I want and leave. Which is how you want all your shop's experiences to be. Totally. And that is not how you should run a comic book shop. Do not cater to somebody. I'm like just trying me. to point out that this is not because you're holding up your nose at comic shops. It's just because no. that's, that you, that's your personality in terms of how you want to interact with people. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. But you should not, A, be like me. <laughs> or B, you know, comic shop should not should be the opposite of what I want out of a no, comic I th- shop. No, I think the free comic book day thing, I don't say thing, but, you know, when it was created, it's been great for comic shops. Yeah. It's exactly what you want. You want to create a big bustling community around it. You want people to show up in costumes. You want there to be a hoopla. You want media coverage. You want a big line out the door. You want signings. You want that's, that's the community you want to create around a shop. I just don't have a shop here in L.A. that I like enough. Uh, near me that I would go to do that because I'm not going to support a shop I don't think is run well or run in a friendly manner or you know yeah there was a great shop I loved that shop I went to in Burbank but you're nowhere near that no I'm closer to Las Vegas I think (laughs) actually technically that is incorrect (laughs) you'd have to almost go through Burbank anyway so thank you Patrick K from North Carolina those are your answers on New Free Comic Day it's a great thing I just do it uh, remotely. Mm-hmm. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can email us to get on the show like Patrick. Let's wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find back in the uh, the feed the Talksplode interview I did with Donnie Cates where we talked about his career. It's a long show. It was really interesting and fun. And I've, I've gotten on – I mean I usually do. But I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on it from people who liked it, specifically a lot of people who you know, aspiring creators and things like that who said it, it gave them a bit of a, a zip in their step, which I really – I love to hear that. And I you think might, Donnie would hear that. You might it's need cool. to do a follow-up to, to investigate the cakes issue. I did not talk about the cakes thing because it's your joke. I know. I'm just saying it may scream out for a sequel. You want – I give you his email. A 30-second sequel. I think that would be hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> what else – what do you have coming up? What do we have coming up? We have Booksplode. The, the, the May Booksplode will be coming out uh, later this month. And here's what you need to read. You need to read New Avengers Volume 1, Breakout. Yes. You may remember this as the beginning of Brian Michael Bendis' run on Avengers. And as he moves over to DC, let's look at the thing that sort of solidified him as the mainstream Marvel guy and this run and, and what it did for us and how it looks, you know, however many years later. How many years later is it? Let's see. Let's not think about it. That show is going to be recorded later in the month. It's probably going to come out the week of the 21st, right before Solo comes out. Yep. So look for that later in the month. Booksplode, New Avengers Volume 1 Breakout is our next Booksplode. And our next patron hangout, if you're a patron, May... That's not right. May 20th. I had May 2nd on my script, but that can't be it. Uh, May 20th will be our next patron hangout. It's a Sunday night, usual time, 6, 6 6.30. We haven't, we haven't written it down yet. Once it goes on the patron page, then we'll be locked in on time. But May 20th, Sunday, is our next scheduled patron hangout, which we do an hour of goofy nonsense for the patrons live yeah, on the internet. I can't find in this book the time when it came out, but I do know that at the time, Wizard 163 did a cover based on it. Right. So there was Wizard then. Look back in the feed. 2006. Ooh, really? Oof. All right. Mm-hmm. Look back in the feed and you will find, this is the year after we started the show, you will find 
uh, podcast on Batman Ninja in which Paul and Ryan and I, the iFanboy Brain Trust, looked at Batman Ninja, the latest DC animated film. It's an, it's an anime film. It's crazy. It, uh, if you like anime, if you like Batman, it's worth checking out. So look back in the feed for that. And coming up, Deadpool 2. There'll be a show on that next week. And then, as we mentioned, Star Wars colon Solo will be the week of the Booksplode. So those are the shows coming up this month. Star Wars colon Solo. 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 Colon. Solo. Colon. colon. <laughs> You'd have to eat a whole bowl of colon Solo. <laughs> that was one of the best skits they've ever done. Yes, true. It looks really good still, too. I don't know how they did the effects, but it's awesome. Head over to iFanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can comment on this. You can tell me what books I missed at Free Comic Book Day and what I should get. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy or following at iFanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually, um, Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, and C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. And if you like the show, write a review on iTunes uh, or leave, just leave a star rating. If you just want to click a star rating, that also really helps. For this show, for any podcast you listen to, if you can't support them financially, if you just want to listen, that's totally fine. Just click a star rating, and that and it takes you two seconds, and everyone appreciates that who makes a show. Helps yeah. people it helps people find the show, and that's that's really important. Even better than that is to tell your friends and recommend it. People on Twitter are always asking about podcasts, and I always see people say, "Check out a fanboy," and we really appreciate that very much. But you know. It's not as cool as introducing your mom to podcasts. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to split with my partner on this one. I'd prefer you did the former. See, I would definitely prefer the moms. Yeah, I know. So that's, I, just, I know. that's just who we are. That's just who we are. <laughs> you wanted to be Dick Grayson. I wanted to be someone else, apparently. Hawkeye. Okay. He was, he was looking for word of mouth also. Help spread the iFanboy love. Actually, that's true because he was trying to get noticed by the superheroes – and when he was trying to get out of the circle. Anyway. That's it for this week's show. I'm Connor. I just referenced Hawkeye's first appearance. I know. Good job. Right? Not bad. Not bad.